give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 20 of Metallicast, the Metallic Podcast. I am your host and fellow Metallica fan. My name is Brandon. Metallicast Black Summer has come and gone. We are back to the traditional numbered episodes. And to be honest, I had to look up what the hell number episode this was because I feel like it's been so long. Black Summer was 10 whole weeks. Trap by track breakdown of the Black Album. And now... I am happy to be done with it. <laughs> I enjoyed it, but it was it was it was a lot. It was a lot. Now I get my comfy, cushy one a month episodes, but this one, this is a special one because I am joined by a first time guest, uh, a man who is legendary on the Twitter machine. Uh, if you follow me at Metallicast Pod, you have seen many insightful tweets from the man um if you are on flick chat which i'm already going to shamelessly plug uh if you're not sure what flick chat is it's a free app download it use the code metallicast join the metallicast militia on there and ralph you are always a man who gives us the most insightful views on and opinions on metallica songs and about Metallica news in general, ladies and gentlemen, the most requested guest in Metallica's history, a man that all the Deep Purple and Leonard Skinner and Black Sabbath and Metallica podcast want, Mr. Ralph Savetto. Welcome to the show, Ralph. Hey, thanks. That was uh, quite an introduction there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, as I always say, hashtag be like Ralph. And uh, if, if this episode does not get that trending... Nothing ever will. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm advertising this as a Metallicast mixtape. This would be Metallicast mixtape volume two for those of you keeping track out there. Uh, We do not have a set topic or theme, but there is a series of uh, Metallica news I definitely want to get to and talk about with you um, that has been in the news cycle most recently. But first, uh, I always have to ask my first time guests, what is your Metallica story? How did you get into the band? What is your history with them? Well, gee, uh, I think around 87, 88, I was already into like uh, Maiden, maybe like early Motley Crue, stuff like that. Um, and then I found WSOU. Uh, it's uh, Seton Hall's Pirate Radio. It's actually a university in New Jersey. They actually are a Catholic university, and somehow they play all heavy metal, like all the time. <laughs> I am uh, I am familiar with them from my time living in uh, Brooklyn. You, if you were just if you were in the right spot, you'd pick up the signal, and yeah, uh, it was always funny because they would, you know, play um, some like satanic black metal band and beep out like the word <laughs> Satan, you know, but. <laughs> Yeah, it was kind of weird, but it worked. Uh, it worked out all right for me because that's how I found Metallica. I heard, um, I believe it was the Four Horsemen. I think was the first song I heard by them, uh, and I was very intrigued by it. And at the time, since I was only like, oh, how old was I? I was eleven. Yeah, I was about eleven, not or ten, somewhere around there. Um, so it was kind of scary too. Um, 
but then I started hearing more and more songs and liking it more and more. And then uh, Justice came out, and then they put out the video for one, and then that like really hooked me right there because that video is awesome. Yeah, so the most uh, uplifting uh, music video of all time. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Hey, you can't get any better than that, though, can you? No. So, um, so then I got really hooked. Then I bought like all the rest of the albums. Um, then the black album came out, and that you know, then it went off from there. Then I started going to see live shows and stuff like that. Uh, my mom was nice enough to take me to my first two shows. Uh, the first one was right before my birthday in 92, uh, at the Meadowlands arena. And then she took me to Guns N' Roses in Metallica in the summer of that year too. <laughs> Damn. It, was, it was a little bit of a culture shock for her to see like <laughs> big scruffy hairy dudes, like pissing up against the fence at giant stadium and stuff like that. But <laughs> Um, kudos to your mom for uh doing it all for you <laughs> yeah she was pretty awesome she and then you know uh she helped us uh go to san francisco this a couple weeks ago too so mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a uh, birthday and christmas all wrapped into one so she's encouraged <laughs> my uh metallica fandom too i guess you could say very nice very nice and of course we will get to your San Francisco journey. Yeah. You when you say we you are joined there by the Mrs. Hi, this is Sarah. <laughs> Hello, Sarah. And Sarah, your experience with Metallica. I'm putting you on the spot. You wanted to okay. chime in, and now yeah. I'm putting you in the hot seat. Okay. Well, I am not from a big area like New Jersey. I'm from a tiny little town in Pennsylvania and we didn't have very much to do, but we did have a roller rink and every weekend they would play Enter Sandman. So that was my first introduction into it was at the roller rink. And then uh, shortly after that load and reload came out and that's kind of when I got more into it, more the, the darker kind of twisted stuff um from that and my husband kind of rolls his eyes at me because he's like but nobody else really likes that i'm like i do so it's whatever um and then when i went to college i went to a teeny tiny little college too and there was a group of us that were kind of into heavier music and we all married one of the members and because i was a drummer in the concert band i married lars because i was a drummer and the one girl plays guitar. She married Kirk. And I can't, the other two, I'm not even sure. That they didn't play instruments to the best of my knowledge. But <laughs> yeah. So then now I've been to five shows with Ralph, including SM2, which was awesome. <laughs> and of course, like I said, we will get there because I want to definitely not just skim yeah. over the SM2 adventure. <laughs> um, <laughs> I do want to touch upon some uh, unfortunate Metallica news that came out. Um, I feel like it's sort of, uh, for Metallica fans for now, it's a little bit of like the elephant in the room that we need to address. Uh, yeah. Mr. Heffield's going to rehab again. I To say I was, my initial reaction was one of shock uh, because he seemed to be in such a good space for, what has it been, 16 years now, I think. 
Um, and yeah. then just yeah. sad for him and his family and everybody that has that personal connection with him. And, uh, you know, I, I just really, uh, am hopeful and wish that he, uh, gets the help that he needs and comes through it again. No, I mean, it just shows that addiction is no joke. No, definitely not. Definitely not a joke at all. That caught me by surprise. My wife was the one that actually told me because I was running around. And then she's like, are you okay when I got home? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And then she goes, did you hear the news? And I'm like, oh, God, somebody died? Like, what happened? She goes, James is in rehab. And I said, shut the fuck up. <laughs> and she goes, no, go look it up. And I looked it up. And I'm yeah. like, oh, shit. Because it just, yeah. like you said, it seemed like like everybody in the band was like in a great place. It just yeah. seemed like. And I guess... At least one of the members was not. Yeah, I mean, it it is a big bummer, and you know, um, I, I just I was watching something on TV with Mrs. Metallicast, and uh, I just happened to like look at Twitter on my phone and saw the news. I went, "Holy shit!" <laughs> and she was like, "What? What? What are you doing?" <laughs> And I yeah. was, you know, just it was the shock setting in. And then I have no clue how the show ended because then I was just online <laughs> reading stuff yeah. and uh, trying to gather my thoughts on it. But, uh, you know, definitely wish him the best. And, um, you know, I, 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 it could, you know, it could be really anything. You know, it could have been a, a slow decline back into it. It could have been just a one time thing. But that's all it takes, you know, when you have that disease and uh, it's a lifelong battle. You know, it really is. That definitely is. Yeah. So wish him the best and, you know, maybe, maybe we'll get more uh, information as time goes on or maybe not because, you know, uh, it's probably none of our business at the same time. They just, (laughs) they're just a band that they're just a band that though is just always so honest and straightforward with their fan base that, um, I feel like, you know, they'll, they'll say what they need to say as time goes on, but, uh, that's neither yeah. here nor there. He just needs to get better and take care of himself. And, uh, whenever he's ready to come back, we will obviously be more than happy to have him back. Right. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I feel like though that, that he might say something from rehab like he did before. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and he'll be out and then that'll be that I, I'm guessing because they postponed uh, Australia, New Zealand. But as far as I know, everything else is still on. Like uh, the South American tour is still a go. And so is uh, yeah global citizen, which they're doing in March, I believe. Yeah. Which I think now, didn't they announce that the day before? <laughs> I think they announced it. It, it was right around there, either the day before, uh, maybe with the day after. I think just as recently as uh, yesterday, um, recording this on the last day of September, but I think as recently as yesterday, Lars was in New York City doing promotion for it. I think it'll definitely be a different experience than what he went through uh, last time during the St. Anger era. Because um, I, I think, you know, that was his first time really getting sober and going through the process and now I think it's more just you know getting his head aligned again you know and his mind right and his 
whole being right and just getting back on track. And I don't think it'll be the same sort of um, kind of reinitiation into the band as he experienced before. Right. I, th- I think there was one other time in the 90s, like load reload era, where he was, he did the sober thing for like a year. And then he was like, well, this is no fun. So I'm not going to do that anymore. Yeah. Uh, I can get then he found out a couple of years later that he couldn't control it. Yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, hopefully he's in a better spot now yeah, than sure. before he was with St. Anger. Yeah. I know, it, sure. it, it really did seem like he was in a, a great place, like smiling all the time and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. I don't know. It's just, uh, that's why I think why I took everybody by surprise. But it just shows, too, you never really know you know, what's going on behind the scenes. And, um, but it, that's also part of the reason too. I wonder if it was just sort of like, did he slip up? Did he just feel like he was, his mind was going to dark place and just wanted to, you know, get ahead of it. You know, it could be any number of things, but whatever it is, I don't want to, you know, speculate and do right. And just, but you just wonder as a fan and you just hope for his well being And, uh, so, it, it, I think it's great that he's there doing what he needs to do. And I mean, yeah. a, as a fan, I selfishly hope that he's better sooner than later. Uh, and, but <laughs> yeah. obviously he's got to do what's good for him and for his family. And, uh, and you know, he's got to make sure he's, he's good to go no matter how long that takes. I, I think it's really great that he recognized that in himself and yeah. that, you know, he's this big, bad metal god, and he's not actually a god, you know, and yeah. that he can recognize something needs to be done. And perhaps there's other people in his fan base that could kind of step back and look at themselves and say, OK, well, James is going. Maybe I have something that needs to be worked on, too. Yeah, that's an excellent point. And I I saw on uh, Jimmy Jasta from Hate Breed posted a nice long thing on I think it was on his Instagram just wishing him well because he had gone through alcohol problems and he credits Hatfield as sort of helping him get clean um back in whenever that was might have been the uh well I guess it was after that so it must have been like the early 2000s there uh between St. Anger and Death Magnetic and uh and then Randy Blythe from Lamb of God chimed in and said the same thing that he had helped uh with his sobriety as well so it you know even for fellow musicians in the genre um you know kind of to one being very supportive but two just saying he helped them and uh when he initially got sober and just was another lesson that he was teaching them in a way that you know like it's it is an ongoing thing you can never get too comfortable with it right and i think randy Bly, i think they were actually on tour with metallic and james hetfield like uh had some of his people go to Randy Bly and tell him, Hey, you need to come meet with me. Cause I think yeah. James Hetfield, Randy was like going off the rails. Yeah. So they had down and like Randy got real serious about getting better. Yeah. Yeah. That's what so I, I think read too. Raging like every night, just going out and getting destroyed. Yeah. Every night on tour. So yeah. And it's one of those things, you know, that it's it's a lot of fun when you're fucking 19, 20, 21 yeah. years old. But, I mean, we all, I think all of us, more or most of us had our 
party days. Maybe not to that uh, extreme, but it, you know, it yeah. takes a toll on everybody. You know, I, I, I cannot, uh, I can, I can drink, but I cannot drink the same way I could when I was uh, <laughs> 10 years ago, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I hear that. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, one of the, well, I think another reason why it was so surprising was just because of all the high profile stuff that's been going on the band this whole time between the hugely successful world wire tour that they are currently on and um the now the global citizen announcement um and of course the SM2 shows and whereas you know when he initially went to rehab the band was sort of not in the public eye they were in the middle of making a record and it, it just sort of it all kind of seemed to happen more behind the scenes and we just got ha- we just happened to see it later because of some kind of monster and um the Saint Anger album but uh this one seems to be you know they're in the f- forefront they're in like the forefront people's minds and they're in, they're right there doing their thing and then boom just like that it happens um yeah and it was very quick after the SM2 shows, which I will use as a transition now to talk about to talk about these historic shows, these uh, the 20th anniversary shows of the original SM concert and album. I wanted in all my being to try and get tickets, but between ticket prices, <laughs> flight prices, taking time off from work, and the baby Metallicast on the way, I said, you know what, Brandon, you should be an adult. <laughs> and uh, Sometimes, yeah. Yes, it, 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 it always sucks. It, but um, <laughs> but uh, you and Sarah are able to go. So, I mean, tell, just, let's let's start at the beginning. What, how, what was that experience like for you? Give me a... Uh, Walk walk me through that weekend as much as you can. Okay. <laughs> well, it was insane. It was a whirlwind. Uh, our flight got pushed back how three hours? Yeah. Because we were originally going to do like the night between stuff and like hang out and and check all that stuff out, and then the flight got pushed back, so that went right out the window. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we we flew out of Cleveland what was it saturday night mm-hmm. eight o'clock yeah at like eight o'clock uh stopped in vegas for like three seconds ran across the airport got on another plane went to oakland got to oakland at almost midnight mm-hmm. uh we caught the last what was the last like bart little shuttle, yeah. bart shuttle and then we got on the bart and rode that and then Got to our stop. Oh, but went about deaf on the way there because the BART is ridiculously loud. I've never been on a louder train in my life. <laughs> it kind of sounds like Banshee. But uh, so we got to our stop and had this great idea that we were going to walk to our hotel from there because we we're like, oh, it's only a half hour walk. Let's do that because that's not crazy or anything in the middle of the night walking around the city. So <laughs> I was kind of surprised by the lack of people except for some uh, homeless folks and yeah. Some other kind of sketchy looking folks <laughs> that were kind of walking around. They have a really serious homeless problem in San Francisco. I was there about uh, a year or so ago. And I mean, 
I lived in Brooklyn. I work in New York City, and the uh, it, it, I, I mean, New York City's far as much homeless as you see. It's far from I would say being uh, a problem, whereas it's a very yeah. very noticeable problem in San Fran. And my, my reference point for all cities is, is New York because I lived in New Jersey, so right, yeah. that was where I went. Um, so it took us like a half hour or so. We All uphill. The last part of the trip was up a giant hill, which was wonderful <laughs> after all the flying and being so tired and everything. Uh, got into our – what did we get to our room at like 1 or something? It was like one thirty, quarter to 2, I think. Yeah, so we got to sleep at like 2.33. So it would have been like 4 a.m. Eastern. <laughs> so, yeah, we had been up for a very long time. And then we got up way too early. Because I couldn't sleep. Um, We went – did we go eat first? I think we ate somewhere first. Yeah, well, we went to the comic book store first, and then we went and ate after we saw what's his name. Oh yeah, we met this guy Marcos, who was from Brazil, who was also a Metallica fan. Yeah, who was there for this us, and I gave him a bottle of Absolute Ohio <laughs> because he couldn't get it down there first. Um, so we grabbed some food, grabbed some breakfast at this place called Vinyl in San Francisco, and then we did. Um, Ralph and Sarah's insane tour of San Francisco <laughs> between um, breakfast and, and uh, the show. So we tried to, we managed to go and, and see the bridge and look for these hand carved wooden guitar picks that uh, somebody from Dyer's Cleveland placed around mm-hmm. and we didn't find any. <laughs> Which sucks because like he's local. And I'm like, yeah. dude, he left from the airport, but he flew out of Akron. And I'm like, he flew out of Cleveland, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so did that, did the Fisherman's Wharf thing, uh, did hate Ashbury, went back, uh, got cleaned up, got ready for the show, and then headed down there, and then the lines were, uh, oh, went we to went to first. Atwater, yeah. Atwater, because they were doing a blacking event there. Oh, cool. Uh, but that place was Azul. absolutely insane. Like, there I was an insane amount. <laughs> I can only imagine. So we Is were that place a- right by the arena? Yeah. 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 So we met some other uh, Metallica friends there from, I think, from Twitter. Yeah. This guy, uh, Brett, uh, he's from Georgia. And I think he had some other folks with him from South America or something like that. Mm-hmm. Chatted with them for a little bit, tried to get something to eat at this Atwater place, but the wait was two hours. So I was like, no, we're not going to do that. Uh, went down, walked down to the venue, which was only like a five, 10 minute yeah. walk. Uh, the venue's beautiful, by the way, because we got to walk around the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and since the lines were so long, I ain't waiting in line. <laughs> I'm not in line. I like to I'll wait in it when it's moving, but not when it's not moving. Right. So we just kind of got the lay of the land there and then uh, found uh, San Francisco's finest subway <laughs> uh, to get some cookies and some drinks. Uh did that and then we came back and I think we got in line, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, got in line. That was like a normal experience. Uh, the only thing weird about getting in there was the portal thing. It was kind of confusing because they don't. What was that? It, it, it's the entranceway to the the sections. Uh, like we were in section one, uh, something. Was it one fourteen? It was like one sixteen or something like that. 
but there's a portal. It's like portal. I'm just making up a number. Thirty one takes you to the section. So it was, I was like, what the. <laughs> What the hell is a portal? I'm like, am I getting like <laughs> to another dimension or where the hell am I going? Or am I just going to sit down in my seat? So that was weird. It seemed a little bit tighter than like, say, uh, the queue or whatever the hell we're calling that up here now. I think it's Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse or yeah, something ridiculous it. like that. Yeah. Whatever, uh, a whole string of corporate names, Arena. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the, the corridor seemed a little bit tighter than there or like PPG in Pittsburgh. Yeah, because um, I think I think Chase is actually a little bit smaller than those because those are like twenty twenty two thousand those yeah. two venues, and I think Chase is like sixteen eighteen thousand. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. So we walked around checking everything out. The merch lines were, <laughs> I thought they were the lines for the bathroom because there's always like. A bunch of dudes in line for the bathroom. At the <laughs> I'm like, how, how have these guys drank that much that already? Much. <laughs> <Right>. you know, <laughs> for there to be a line like this, but it was actually the merch lines, which I was happy not to stand in because I had already bought all of our stuff. Because uh, thankfully, the band put pretty much all their merch online before the show yeah. and you could pre order it. Well, I was going to say that's the beauty of these days is that. You can pretty much get all the tour shirts online beforehand or um, like when they did the first run of stadium shows, they were doing the pop-up store. So you could get in there early depending on where you were at, you know? Yeah, because that's what I did for I, – I went to Maiden before this and I did the same exact thing. I ordered the stuff before. The only thing I missed out on was a poster. but yeah. And I managed to miss out on the poster like three times. I missed out there. And I missed out on the sale after <laughs> that they had on the <laughs> And then I missed out on the artist sale. So uh, I don't think I'm getting that poster, but that's okay because I have everything. <laughs> you can probably, um, but you can probably get that online. Sometimes they have like a poster, uh, a sale through their store um, at the I'm, conclusion I'm, of like a show or a tour and whatever's left. I'm over. hoping. A couple more. Yeah. Say so otherwise, you're paying a thousand dollars for it on eBay. Yeah, because they're <laughs> they're they're going for. I saw like six seven hundred dollars for like the night two poster. Damn. So anyway, um, found our seats, got some food, and they just kind of like hung out in our seats and just kind of took everything in. Cause I just that's I like doing that. I just like checking out what's going on. I like checking out the crowd. Yeah. Uh, what was the crowd plus, like there? Was it uh? pretty much entirely Metallica crowd. Did you see, like I, I the first SM seemed to be a pretty good mix of, uh, I mean, it was definitely predominantly Metallica fans, but you definitely had some symphony fans mixed in. Uh, but I feel like it's yeah. different now, 20 years later where it's, would probably be, my guess would be, it'd be more of a, a hundred per like 95 to hundred percent Metallica fans there. But this, this show particularly, since it was the, the fifth member show, I think it was like all like really hardcore fans from, I don't know, pretty much everywhere. It seemed right. like. Oh, so you were the, you, there, that's right. You were there night two. Yeah. Night two. Yeah. 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 So it was probably even a little bit of a different vibe from night one. Cause night one, you probably still had some, just like some people that were kind of curious about the show or they wanted to go to the first right. thing at the chase center or, yeah. or the orchestra or something like that. Maybe. Right. 
you probably get uh, some more casual music fans that just are interested to see like what's what, you know. So we were with like mostly the hardcore Metallica fans. Cool. Uh, so you know we're watching orchestra. People start coming in and start warming up. And my band nerd self is cheering for all of the violins and the cellos and the oboes <laughs> and the bassoons. I'm just screaming for him. People are like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, I'm a band nerd from way back. So that's just what I do. <laughs> so, and before Ecstasy, they didn't do the normal, uh, they didn't play ACDC. So that was yeah. a little bit different. Uh, it was just, you kind of knew they were going to come on because, like I said, all the folks in the symphony were starting to warm up and everything and getting ready. So, um, and then they hit Ecstasy a goal. Then it was like, Man, <laughs> it was goosebumps, like all kinds of goosebumps. So, and then they came on and, you know, the band comes on and they kicked into uh, Cthulhu. Uh, so was it a similar, was, was it similar to how they did in the first S&M show where they sort of came out one by one and yeah, like I, I, I remember, you know, sort of they came out as the instruments enter and James is like sitting on the stool and it's just sort of, they kind of build up the performance aspect of it. Was it similar to that at all? Or were they, it was it more just sort of out all at once. <laughs> I don't think there was a stool this time, but it was kind of just, uh, it, they kind of just entered. It was kind of one at a time, but it was pretty fast. It seemed like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then that was uh, here in Cthulhu. That was like the first time I've ever heard that live. So that was yeah. a pretty big moment for me. That was a lot of... That's awesome. Uh, the 70 version is the superior version. I'll go on record as saying yet again. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it's amazing to hear it that way. Especially when you're right there, like, and it's live and it's in front of you. It's... it's yeah. uh, words can't even describe how awesome it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then they kicked into Bells, which is a fan favorite. You know, everybody gets to sing along and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then I got a surprise because I tried to stay away from the set list, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame <laughs> I would, you. If I was going to it, I would have tried to as well. I usually keep track of what they're playing. Uh, but for the the first shot, like I didn't really want to say anything. Yeah. I saw stuff coming out and I was like, oh, don't look at it. Don't look at it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was weird. He was like, "Okay, don't show me anything. I'm gonna, I'm gonna like uninstall Instagram for a little bit." <laughs> <laughs> so I've managed to mostly stay away from everything. Good. They so surprised us with uh, "The Day That Never Comes." Yeah. Which I love that song, and to me, that song worked. Uh, that song worked worked really well in that venue. Uh, and it was nice to hear a death magnetic song, period. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because they haven't, they really haven't been playing all that many of them recently. Yeah, no, no not really at all. No, uh-uh. Uh, so then after that was a really good time because they played uh, Memory Remains. Uh, and that's always a fan favorite, too. Yeah. Um, plus... <laughs> We had the added bonus of the sing-along at the end that went on for, I don't know, 
it seemed like forever because we just wouldn't stop. <laughs> <laughs> to the point where um where like Lars was kind of like almost like signaling for us that like hey you guys gotta like shut up now because we got the other song he's like we have two more hours of music guys <laughs> like we're only you know like one two three four five songs in there's a whole bunch of other songs to go yeah. so if you guys could be quiet, <laughs> um and then we threw in the uh the curveball with confusion yeah that was which- a surprising one yeah, it, it was surprising for me too because I didn't I didn't see that coming at all. Um, how did that I one was, work in your opinion? Um, how how do you? It was. I don't know if the orchestra enhanced it all that much. Um, I definitely liked hearing it live because I hadn't heard it before. Yeah, and I think the song "Off Hardwired" that they've played that I've missed out on is uh. Oh, Dream No More. I think they played that in Europe, but they haven't really played that too much over here. Yeah. And I was kind of hoping, I was kind of hoping, um, since they did like the thing that should not be uh, in the first show, like the original show, right? that they kind of hit that because it's the same kind of Cthulhu and all that kind of thing. Yes. But they did not, they played Confusion instead. But that was fine, like I said, because I'd never heard it live before. And I'm always big on, you know, give me a song I haven't heard before live. Yeah, for sure. Or some some yeah. kind of treat. So I was cool with that. Um, You're a Metalla puppy. Give uh, me a treat. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, then they hit Moth, which is now, I don't know, that's like, I would say that's a a staple for the set list now. Yeah, for uh, sure. I think forever and ever now. Anytime they play a show. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, and then what did we have after that? We had the girl with the highlighter green shirt waving drum heads over her head, two rows in front of us. <laughs> <laughs> we did, and I mean that's great. I'm totally jealous because i'm sure those things were like fifteen hundred dollars or something but what she didn't realize is we're all like hardcore fans and she was blocking our view so like i wanted to put her head through it (laughs) (laughs) but the good news is you'll be able to spot us in the movie because we're right behind the highlighter chick yes with the drum (laughs) i will be looking for the highlighter chick then (laughs) that was was by all four band members and i wanted her to drop it so i could take it but it didn't happen (laughs) yeah um so then they went into i believe it was i have the outlaw torn here yes that's what i have too and I almost lost it because I'd been waiting to hear that song forever. (laughs) I know. That's one song. If I had to make a top 10 list of Metallica songs I've not seen live in person that I would want to, I think the LR Torn would make that top 10 list easily. Yeah. And that was absolutely amazing. The orchestra adds so much to it. It added so much to it the first time and it did the same the second time. Like it was unbelievable i think everybody was like like super excited to hear that song yeah so the so the arrangements for the songs from the original concert did they the do the arrangements seem to be pretty much the same where they 
changed at all that you noticed or were they pretty much intact from uh, the Michael Kamen arrangements? I think, I think the original songs were pretty close. There were some similarities in like, in the, the songs that they played the first time. Yeah. I think they up a little bit here and there, but I'm not sure I heard huge differences or anything in the arrangements. Yeah. Cause then they played uh Clover after. Right. Again, I got to hear a whole bunch of stuff that I had never heard live before. So like in person. So that was the first time for me for Clover too. And I'm sure it was for you. I go to that many shows. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard No Leaf Clover a couple times live. And it's, I always enjoy it, but it really misses the symphony. You know, like that yeah. is one song that because, because the original, uh, the original version has the symphony and I, and I think they just, that arrangement just such, just does such a beautiful job of like having the symphony fill all that empty space and really round out the song. There is a missing element to it when they do it without them, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. I, I agree with you there. Um, like you said, the song is built for the symphony and then without it, like you said, it, it really does sound like there's something missing there. Yeah. And after Clover, I have that they did Halo, which I absolutely love. Yeah, and I, I was, I figured that was a an obvious choice off of Hardwired for them right. to to throw in this show. Yeah, um, that was actually the second time I'd seen Halo, uh, but this this was not much better, but. The, the symphony definitely yes, it enhanced it. It was so much fuller and had... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> Halo has... Like Clover, Halo has those spaces in there where you can right. really enhance it with the symphony, with what the symphony can do. Yeah, the more... I think the more melodic songs definitely translate the best, which is why I was sort of pleased to see like they kind of stayed more away from... Uh, like the batteries and stuff like that. Like I, I, I love that song, but like the songs, like I feel like songs like battery fuel that they did at the original show, it, the band carries it and the symphony adds accents and punctuates here or there. And, uh, but it's, you know, it, the symphony is not a necessary component to where I feel like the more melodic the song is, the symphony has a lot more room to really build and do their thing. Yeah, for sure. You know, now we're starting set two. And this is when, uh, you know, I was looking online after night one. And uh, this is when I started really kind of freaking out at some of their uh, set choices and arrangement choices. Because I, uh, I, I think like the next uh, five songs really took me by surprise. Yeah, I think. Lars came out after the 25-minute intermission and then introduced uh, Michael Tilson Thomas, uh, a conductor that works with the symphony. And then yeah. he kind of gave a spiel before each one of these songs about, um, I think the first one was about futurism when they did uh, the Prokoviev. Yeah. Uh, and then talked about uh, futurism when they did Iron Foundry. Now the right. Prokofiev, I guess, was uh, 
Uh, they they did part of the Scythian Suite. Yeah. I actually really like this. Yeah. Like part of it. It was really cool. Like the Scythian Suite, I went back and listened to it on YouTube. Like just yeah. the the symphony arrangement by itself. And uh the the section that they chose to do is uh it's pretty metal, really. Mm-hmm. It has a really cool metal vibe, which some of that music already has it's it's it almost seems like it's written by like a heavy metal musician or something, <laughs> some of those songs. Um, yeah, I mean, look, yeah. a, a song like Master Puppets has, you know, I don't know how intentional it was, but has like a lot of classical music influence. You know, you could say that for a lot of um, heavy metal, especially once you sort of get away from the um, more like 70s Black Sabbath metal that was more rooted in the blues and jazz. Um <laughs> You yeah. know, Metallica and a lot of those bands sort of started taking it in a more classical direction. Somebody like Randy Rhodes, for example, you know, very, uh, he was a classically trained guitarist. So heavy, 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 heavy influence, you know? So that's really cool. So then they did the Iron Foundry, which is a Masalov song. Yes, I looked all this stuff up. <laughs> um, <laughs> Ralph always does his like... homework. He <laughs> does. <laughs> Yeah, I even read stuff about the uh, about these guys too, because that's what I did. Um, this one was like it had like a more martial feel, mm-hmm. which is why they displayed like the the Soviet era kind of like uh, graphics and stuff on the halos that they had above the stage. Yeah, which by the way, those halos were awesome, and I hope we see them again. Um, because they were just so cool. <laughs> yeah, it was different by the moving boxes that we had earlier in the tour. So it was just just slightly different. And it was kind of neat because the inside of the halos and the outside of the halos both had images on it. And they were different images. It was really interesting. And I think it added cool. just enough that it wasn't like, holy crap, what am I supposed to be looking at right now? Yeah. It, it, it was just enough that it added a little bit. Because, you know... This was the symphony show. There wasn't fire. There wasn't any of that. So right. I, I think it was done tastefully and appropriately. You don't want to scare me. <laughs> <laughs> the first uh, classical piece they did was symphony only. And then Iron Foundry was with Metallica, correct? Yeah. Yeah, they did symphony only. And then the, the next one. Everybody came out, all four members came out, and they played the Iron Foundry. Like I said, that was a real, like, martial-sounding kind of tune. Yeah. That worked pretty well together, too. Mm-hmm. I actually like the symphony-only Scythian Sweet thing better, but... <laughs> <laughs> Nobody needs to know. <laughs> yeah. yeah was, and welcome to really- SymphonyCast, the San Francisco <laughs> Symphony podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just they were able to kind of get into all the different instrumentation and it was really rich and powerful um because they were able to to shine in that one. The only yeah. thing was the hardcore Metallica fans didn't know what to do with themselves. Yeah. <laughs> we kept standing and I would like cheer when like somebody, you know, they had a uh violin solely and when they and it was really fast and intense and I was like, "Yeah." And they were like, hey. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm a baby. <laughs> yeah, so like, I don't know. Do we like sit down or do we stand up? 
are we supposed to like cheer really loud or just like be quiet? I don't know what to do. But like, right. like she said, we just kind of stood up and just acted like it was still a metal show. So, yeah. so those were a good time. And it was nice that they gave the, the symphony a little time to shine because they didn't really do yeah. that last time. Yeah. They kind of gave them a few. You had to wait 20 years for it. That seems fair. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then, like, everybody started leaving except for James. So I was like, okay, what the hell's going on? <laughs> uh, and then they launched into, and, and uh, also, James didn't have a guitar. So I was like, why does James not have a guitar? So then they launched right into the Unforgiven 3. Which was kind of a surprise too, because I right. I didn't they were gonna play that either. Right. I would have uh, gone with the first Unforgiven. That seems like such a natural song for them to do with the symphony that they never did the first go around. So Yeah. You know Th- but... this was already set up to work really well though, because they already had the orchestration built into it. That's and then true. they could build that yeah. and make you know, a whole arrangement for the song out of it. Yeah. Uh, man, it was great. It was beautiful. <laughs> he did a really good job. Yeah. Uh, he, he was really on, on point with the way he sang it and everything like that. Um, he just didn't quite know what to do with his hands because they're usually, you know, playing a guitar. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is one of the ones I've been dying to hear. So I've, I've stayed away from like all the fan-made videos i'm waiting uh for something official to come out i have my tickets for the movie so i don't know if that'll be my first time hearing something from the concert or yeah. they'll, or they'll leak stuff uh beforehand you know like uh little video snippets or an audio version of something or because i'm still have my fingers crossed for an album uh but who knows but i i've been dying to hear this one I think there will be an album too. They 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 almost like have to do one. If they're already producing yeah. and mastering it for movies, I would be shocked if they were not doing an album. Yeah, it would make and, it really easy to put one out. Yeah, and I and I mean it could come in this day and age. You don't even need to advertise it before, and they could be like, "Surprise! Uh, it's October 9th. Yeah. Go see the movie, and it's available everywhere now: Apple Music, Spotify, everywhere." You know. Yeah. I would take that for sure. All right. So then we moved on to, after that, they set up uh, their acoustic stuff and then launched into the acoustic version of All Within My Hands, which was also a surprise. Yes. Uh, but that song, the, the, the arrangement that they've done for that song in the past has worked so well. Um, and made that song so much better um, that it was great in this in this venue, especially with the the symphony behind it, and they had uh, a guest singer. Um, what's his name? Avi Vinegar or or something like that. Um, who also did the Within My Hand show with him uh, oh, as a vocalist? Yeah. So that was fairly awesome too and that was also another song i hadn't heard live before either so i was like rocking up yeah. the songs <laughs> uh, checking stuff off 
Um, and it's always interesting to hear harmonies with not just the guys, you know, just to have that extra right. little voice in there. You're like, oh, okay, that's a little yeah, different. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. I've been, I've been, these, these are, like I said, this is the stretch of the set I've been most looking forward to, even more so than like the day that never comes and Halo yeah. on Fire. Like, I've been excited for those, but these just seem like the most uh, out there choices that took me most by surprise. So I've been really fascinated to hear how they pulled it off. (laughs) I don't know. For me, this, like this stretch right here is the highlight of the highlights of the show. Like if you're looking for the best stuff, this is it right here. Cause this is where uh, they threw some curveballs at you and, and did the songs different ways. That made him really interesting. Yeah. So, and probably the highlight of the night is up next, um, because then everybody disappeared again, and there was basically only one person on the stage for a little while, uh, and his name was, I believe, it was Scott Pingle, uh, and he plays uh, the bass for the symphony, and at first we didn't quite know where he was going with it, right? Cause he just hit this really like real low, like sad, mournful note for a second. And then, um, and then you were able to figure out, Oh, he's playing anesthesia. Oh my God. And then, Oh my God, they're going to play like the whole thing. <laughs> um, and that guy just like, he, he like, he knocked it out of the park. It was yeah. so good. It was beautiful and soulful like you could hear the sadness and mourning for cliff in it it had me kind of tearing up a bit because it was just you could tell that he was just mind body soul into this performance and it was it was intense and beautiful and i'm glad they did it that is so cool because cliff burton was such a classical music fan too that he would have just i think been so in awe that his composition was being performed on that stage by that caliber of a musician you know yeah it was that was amazing and i may or may not have had a tear in my eye i don't know i mean but i have goosebumps it. just hearing about it so i'm dying to hear <laughs> us metal cry, so there you go we're all we'll kick your ass or something <laughs> every time i cry Beats a mass <laughs> just to bounce it out. Yep. <laughs> All right. So, and then Lars joined in, you know, as yeah. he does on Kill 'em All on drums. So it was just Scott and Lars, and they finished the song out, and it was outstanding. Mm-hmm um then rome rome was just kind of rome yeah other than like kirk doing the the sitar thing which was cool yeah they brought up this cool looking like electric sitar and he played the intro on it um which he did at the original show too which was cool yeah so yeah i enjoyed that part i don't know if the symphony the symphony i wasn't i mean it just rounds out the sound yeah it rounded out the sound but i don't know if it like made it like that much better well it was still awesome but for me obviously it's always a little better with more 
richer sound. So yeah. Right. <laughs> and then one, this person next to me here called that because they did this kind of cool like percussive uh, intro. Yeah. Where they kind of mimic the bombs yeah. going off and the yeah because they didn't use the regular gun recording thing they were doing it all percussively and i was like they're gonna play one he was like i don't know and i said i called it <laughs> <laughs> you did, like, i'm usually the one calling songs but she got that one because she <laughs> was able to hear it before because i'll usually have people next to me and I'm like how many songs are they going to have left? And I'm like, well, I got three. They're going to play this song, this song, and this song. And they're like, how do you know that? I'm like, because I look at the set list every night. So <laughs> I kind of know, yeah. know like where the rotating slots are and what songs are rotating in and out and all that kind of thing. So. This is what happens when you're a Metallica nerd. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, after that was Puppets. And puppets is puppets. Yeah. Uh, there's no better song than that. <laughs> yeah, that my all-time favorite song off my all-time favorite album. And the the original symphony version with the whole interlude gives me goosebumps every time I hear it still. So Yeah. That's that's always anyway. uh that was that was a uh, I mean, this is when they get into their typical end of set standards and you could not yep. do this show. I think the symphony version of one is also excellent. So you could not do this show without touching upon those two. Absolutely. Yeah. There's no way you can, you can skip those. Yeah. And this song. So, you know, I've been to enough shows that I yell, I scream, I punch the air. I throw my fists up. I'm dancing. The guys next to me are standing there with their arms crossed, not even bobbing their heads. They must've thought I was a complete nut. I don't know. <laughs> But I was like screaming and I'd look at them and I'm like, what are you doing? This is a Metallica show. Get it together, man. <laughs> so you have her doing that. You have me screaming out the lyrics and everything and head banging because I still do like the old school head banging stuff because that's what I'm about or whatever. But, you know, uh, I so after my puppets, hair, but it doesn't work with the shaved head. No, it really. You know what? Because yeah. I've had my like cut real, real short. Yeah. And it's almost can't do it anymore <laughs> you're it's like you lose your metal superpowers that way or something hey if the band can cut their hair we can cut our hair okay damn it <laughs> and he grew up back because i asked him and now he's all happy because he feels redhead banging again so yeah <laughs> all my fault otherwise it's, it's kind of like you can't do it right with short hair so then we had nothing which was a, a, a do-over for me. Yeah. Because I <clears throat> I was, we we were in charge of picking out our own music for our wedding. Yeah. Or mostly me. Because he's a, a music nerd or a snob, music snob. And like he did not want any <laughs> pop music at our wedding at all. Which okay. I'm okay with. the same thing at my wedding. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm taking limited doses myself. And uh so, yeah, he picked out literally the entire playlist, the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I didn't want to be miserable at our own reception. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I, you. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, somebody was supposed to pick the, uh, the S&M version of Nothing Else Matters and um, pick the regular album version of it <laughs> instead. Um, 
So, and like I said, this fine, was fine, but you know, this was sort of redemption in a way because <laughs> we got to hear the real thing in person. Yeah. Uh, and we all got the uh, everybody got the phones out with their lights on, you know, flashlights on, and we're waving them back and forth mm-hmm. and singing along and all that kind of stuff. So that and that song works really well with uh, the orchestra too. For sure. I mean, without and, that song, you probably would not have had the first SNM show. So. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, because Michael came and did the orchestrated stuff for that too. Um, and then we had Sandman, which was under Sandman, <laughs> <laughs> which is really a deep cut. You know, the band rarely pulls that one out. So <laughs> we'll, we'll get back to that when we talk about Chicago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh God. But yeah, it ends on a big bang. And what was that one guy yelling? Seek. <laughs> seek. See, he just kept saying seek over and over again. I'm like, dude, they're not going to play. It's a little hard to take an entire symphony in a completely different direction that they've never rehearsed. Just make it <laughs> up on the fly. They're not a jazz band. This is a symphony. It's not the same. Yeah. Can't just make it up on the fly. It was like, it's not going to happen. But the next thing you know, we're going to have Jason Houston up there and he's <laughs> right. going to sing half of the song and James is going to sing half of the song. They'll do the 18-minute like version they did on the Black Album tour. So they'll do their drum battle <laughs> and then, you know, James will be yeah. in the crowd and everybody will be singing along, you know. <laughs> uh, so, and then that was, that was the end of the show. We just kind of like hung out until they told us to leave and Watched all the, you know, yeah. the bows and waves goodbye and watched the symphony folks kind of stroll out and everything. And I yelled for That's them again. Awesome. Yes, you did. And the one <laughs> there, uh, there was, I think they were either from Brazil or Mexico. I'm not sure. But they were on the floor and there was this woman and she was like, you could tell she was really emotional. And when um, Scott that played the um, anesthesia solo came down, she like gave him this big hug and you could tell she was like talking to him about how she felt about it. Yeah. So that was pretty cool to see too. Well, I appreciate you guys sharing. Cause like I said, I've stayed away from everything except reading about the set list and reading the little news bits that have come out. I've stayed away from hearing any of it so far. So I'm really looking forward to going to the movies and hearing for the first time and hopefully having that album by the end of October, I'm hoping that's my hope, and uh, and devouring it, and then coming back and be able to give my two cents on it. But to get the firsthand experience, I mean, obviously you cannot beat that. Yeah, definitely not. Oh, and we are taking our kids to the movie too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and I had all the feels like from Jump Street. Like, as soon as they came out and, like, started into stuff, I'm already tearing up. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I just have problems. <laughs> <laughs> and there, there was a cool yeah, go there was a cool moment to the show outside. Um, because a lot of the uh, fan club members, it seemed like from mostly, like, South Central American, South America. Central American countries... There's these weird risers there. I don't know why they're there. I guess they're there maybe if there's a playoff game and you can watch outside or whatever. So they were all gathered up there with their flags and stuff like that. And they started, you know, uh, an, o- an Olay chant. And they did uh, 
then they started shooting Metallica and stuff like yeah. that. And that lasted for like 10 minutes or something like Maybe that. Maybe even longer because they like started it once, it kind of died down, and then it came back. And they were yeah. taking pictures and everything like that. So that was a pretty cool moment. But then we all got chased out of there by security. <laughs> <laughs> but not before I managed to get a tie-dye shirt for my daughter. Yes. There it's very go. cute. Yeah. <laughs> and then you had and another exciting experience not long after SM2. Yeah, two weeks. Yeah, about two weeks after. <laughs> <laughs> they uh they announced the uh black and whiskey signing in uh Chicago. Uh you told me about that. I right? did. Because I think it was sleeping. It was it was on Instagram and you know, he sleeps during the day, so sometimes I do see stuff first. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I said, that sounds like a nice road trip. And she agreed with me. So off uh, we went. Yeah, we went out to Chicago <laughs> the night before and stayed there for a little bit and uh, got up early in the morning because, uh, again, we are crazy. Um, and we were in line about 8 o'clock. Yeah, got in line 8 o'clock in the morning uh, with some other crazy Metallica friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, chatted with some people for a while and then got some Starbucks. Yeah, got with some your Starbucks. Metallica yes, cards. and that was thanks to another friendly Metallica podcast that's pretty big. Uh, that has two a gentleman named Clint and a gentleman named Ethan. Never heard of uh, it. This is the only podcast yeah. I know. <laughs> um, I mean, so, is yeah. there, I think there's like the Joe Rogan experience and then there's Metallica. I don't know about any other podcast that even <laughs> exists i mean we're at like the top of the charts um that's right. dookie and out for number one and uh if there's another if there's any other music podcast out there it's news to me never mind metallica podcast so <laughs> so we hung in line and talked to some interesting people uh talked to a guy that seems to like run into every heavy metal artist you can that's think of ever been in existence <laughs> He had pictures, he had autographs, and in his backpack, he had an autograph kit. It was this whole, like, binder with Sharpies and paint oh, pens God. and all this stuff, like, little books so that they could sign them. He had he had the um, uh, Rob Trujillo... Uh, Bobblehead. The, what are they called? The Funko Pop. Funko Pop. So he had that and he was like, I'm going to try to get it signed and there. And everybody, like all the black and people were like, no, we're just signing the bottles today. Please don't try. Blah, blah, blah. Do you know, he went through and he came back and he found us and he was like, look, I'm like, oh, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> so we waited in line and they took us up in group, what, groups five. of five. Yeah. Um, and then we had bought our bottles of uh, black and whiskey. Because they were give, they were letting us buy them there anyway. So yeah. um, they hustled us over so we could buy our bottles to get signed. Um, we went up. Uh, Rob signed our stuff. And we talked to him for a little bit. Meanwhile, Ralph's heart's beating out of his chest. Yes, I thought I would, might <laughs> die before I met him. Because uh, really, I, this is the first time I ever met anybody in Metallica. So. Yeah. Uh, and Rob's pretty <laughs> so we got a little chat with him. I didn't say anything stupid or too uh, fanboyish or anything like that. <laughs> and then uh, we went on our way, and uh, we were day drinking at like uh, ten thirty in the morning, 10, yeah, something like that. 
and drunk before oh 11. my god we had one drink and it was like holy crap why why are we like blasted after one drink oh my god because we had eaten it's not like we were on an empty stomach or anything i was like oh shit, i gotta sit here for a little bit because oh my god um so we were able to hang out there um with other fans and stuff and they played metallica the whole time except when they played a black tabbit song for a second then they're like turn the shit off well this is a metallica event it was mostly me and then the, the bartender was like oh yeah i love metallica hang on and she switched it but the the story we were waiting in line so you know the next block over there was a farmer's market or whatever and so there was a lot of foot traffic it wasn't just us you know we're yeah. standing outside of a grocery store at eight in the morning and they're like what the hell is going on why does everybody have on a black shirt what is happening so like some people figured the it whiskey? Out. yeah so some people figured it out and they were like oh yeah that's whatever and it just kept going on their merry way yeah. this one guy that was pretty overzealous i would say he was just really excited to see this oh, line and interact guy, with yeah. us and so he's he's looking he's like oh what are you guys doing what are you guys doing and they're like oh yeah the the bases from metallica is going to be here he was like oh metallica i remember them oh <laughs> do you guys know enter sandman and i was like oh my god <laughs> Like he was coming from this huge revelation, like nobody yeah. would ever. That song. And I'm like, what have they this done since Inter Sandman? <laughs> <laughs> They've only played it so many times that for a while I skipped the first song on the Black album <laughs> to get the set. <laughs> yeah, I like the dude to not like fall over laughing when he said that because I'm like. This is the wrong crowd for that, my dude. I'm, I'm glad you know us song. You're not like a complete poser like some people out there, but that's not a deep cut. <laughs> <laughs> well, I give you credit for keeping it together. I did meet um, Rob Trujillo a couple times, and the first time I met him was um, it was backstage at a show. Um, uh -huh. I, got, I got backstage through my wife in her job at the time. And uh, yeah. he was back there with his wife, Chloe Trujillo. And I just remember okay. looking at her and going, I'm freaking out right now. <laughs> <laughs> and she looked at me like, please step away from my husband, you freak. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I also met, uh, but he was super cool, super chill. She was also very nice. And um, I also met Lars backstage at that thing. And uh, oh, yeah. he is, I always tell people, he gets the most crap because he talks the most and puts himself out there mm -hmm. the most. But he is the nicest guy in the, he comes across as the nicest guy in the entire world. And like you've, like you've known him your entire life. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it seems like he takes the time to learn stuff uh about the area yeah. and remembers particular people yeah. and and conversations that he's had with them before and everything um so honestly he really seems like he cares about the fans a lot and i mean yeah. even looking at the murder in the front row movie and all the background of him like exchanging tapes with people and like he could remember people that he was exchanging <laughs> tapes with back in the day i mean i think that really kind of goes and shows you what kind of dude he is and has been for yeah. decades i mean i think he's still just as passionate about it as he 
always has been, you know. Maybe he has other passions yeah. now, whether it be art or film or family or whatever, but I, that you can tell that the passion's still there. But I think you could say that about all of them, which is, I think, the one yeah. of the things that, it, like, really... Like, my fandom has not swayed at all during the years because, one, always like the old records. Two, been a fan of the new stuff, and they're, oh, they've always done current relevant things. But three, just, you know, the their passion just kind of keeps the machine rolling forward and keeps you hanging on and, being, and you know, enjoying the ride, where I feel like so many bands do not... Are they just are not able to do that for one reason right. or another. Yeah. Once I, I got on the ride, I never really got off or anything because yeah. um, they're just awesome. Yeah. <laughs> they, don't, they don't do the same thing every time out. Right. Which is beautiful and thing and not boring. Unlike, no, well, I won't get into it, but yeah. Get into <laughs> no, it. I will get say, into it. <laughs> Oh my God. Some of those bands, it's like they play the same stupid song and just put different words over it. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is, how do you count this as creativity that you're not doing anything different? I could have threw different words over it and I'm not even a writer. <laughs> I, I think some people get stuck in the, in the rut where it's like, yeah, all right, we're this band, And if we sound different, then we're going to be, called sellouts or be perceived as sellouts and that's that i thought of my example yeah. sugar fucking ray <laughs> because when they first started they were hard they were punky they were in your face and then they just had one chill song and that was the one that made them their money so then the next album was all just like chill bullshit songs and i'm like yeah. man you guys are so <laughs> awesome and then you like Got all soft on me. But I will tell you, they played a free show in Erie PA last summer, and I made him take me. Because... But that's why they played a free show in Erie PA last summer. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they played me in Machine, so that was cool. Yes, they did. That song's out. But right. yeah, but it was like, okay. So yeah, because I was like, I really liked them in the beginning, and then they like went off the rails. Well, the Google and, like, I love the same that, way. But, yeah, but I was like, no, just because that one worked doesn't yeah. mean something else isn't going to work. Yeah. <laughs> even, yeah. even a band that I love, Slayer, oh, has no. pretty much, and I, I really like Slayer, but they kind of just done the same thing, you know, since like 1983. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I don't, I don't, and sometimes, people, I don't it, listen to it. And sometimes it works. Like, I, I would hate to hear ACDC do anything else than what ACDC does. But yeah, cause but it's also, but at the same time, the I agree with you guys where the appeal of Metallica for me is every record sounds like Metallica. It, sounds, it has their signature sound, but you also never know mm -hmm. exactly what it's going to sound like. It could be, you know, a heavy thrash record. It could be a very yep. melodic record. They can do acoustic. They'll do oddball things, whether with the symphony or with Lou Reed or, uh, you know, St. Anger or it, it, you know, they, you know, have flirted with blues and country Western and, uh, you know, just done so much more than most bands in the genre will do. And I think more than they get credit for. 
by yeah. people and outside to, their to, fan base, you know? It yeah. takes huge balls to do stuff like that. Because could they just do Master of Puppets over and over? Probably. Or do yeah. Injustice for All over and over? Probably. But why keep doing the same thing? And would they still yeah. be selling out arenas if they just did those and that's it? No, I don't, I think, don't so. think so. No. I think, uh, I mean, the Black Album alone, they could just tour on that one record for the rest of their days yeah. and it make money, but it would not be the same, you know? And do you know how boring that is as an instrumentalist? Like, yeah. I can ask too, you would play the same thing for maybe like four months to get ready for a concert, and then it's like, oh my God, let's be done with it. Move on to another one. So right. I'm guessing they might feel that way about Sandman. I don't know, because they play it every <laughs> single concert. I'm not in Metallica. I can't speak for the guys. Maybe it's fun to end with that just because of the crowd or whatever. But yeah, just playing the same thing over and over and over. It's like, well, oh my God, just let's move on. <laughs> when they do play it live, it comes across as they're still enjoying playing it. And I think part of the reason is because they've played, you know, early in the set, they played three, four, five brand new songs that got a great fan reaction. And now they yeah. can sort of balance it out with this, you know? Or they played a couple deep cuts. You know, they pulled out Trapped Under Ice or they pulled out uh, Disposable Heroes or The God That Failed or whatever. And uh, so I think they still find passion because it's a balance in their set and what they're able to play. Whereas if they were just, you know, playing Inter Sandman and Sad But True and just writing out that one album would be a very different story. And I think too, oh, yeah. I think too, if, you know, when you're playing four new songs in a night and you, like, I, I've heard Hardwired, I've heard Atlas Rise, I've heard Halo Fire, all those songs got monster reactions and mm -hmm. with like everybody singing along and you just don't usually see that with a band at their, uh, who's been around as long as they have, like pull out, be, usually the new songs are the bathroom break. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> time to get a beer. Time to take a piss. Playing the new song yep. off the new album, you know. And like, I love Iron Maiden, but I remember seeing them. Um, what was that album? The A Matter of Life and Death, and they played yeah. it in its entirety from beginning to end. And the record, when I saw, them, I think the record was only out for like a day. So I like really didn't have a heart, like really have a chance to even like digest that record. And that was like a hard show to get through. Cause I was just like, I mean, <laughs> I don't know these songs and it's not yeah. very exciting to me. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's, it's kind of cool, but like, Hey, are you guys going to play like the number of the beast anytime soon or something like that? Cause well, I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I just kept on waiting for like, all right, so are they going to play the Trooper now? <laughs> yeah. But they played like they played the whole new album, and then I think they did the Trooper, they did Hollow Be Thy Name, maybe Number of the Beast, and maybe like one other song, and that was it. And I was like, yeah, wow, all right. You waited, so... like, you waited like an hour <laughs> yeah. for them to get to that. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, one good thing about Maiden is their stage shows are crazy. Oh, their stage shows are phenomenal. They still sound phenomenal, and they, they move around as if they're in their 20s still. <laughs> they definitely do. I'm like, how? okay, this guy's like 60. How is he doing this? Like, what kind of, 
like is he on steroids? What the hell is going on? <laughs> and his voice too. You know, they're not like they've not really had to tune down. His voice is still like more yeah. like in the red original keys and singing the same notes. Wow. And like I, it that's like phenomenal. I, I mean, yeah. Every usually, day. just because of age, you have to tune down. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, your vocal cords burn out, and the high ones go first. Plus, and yeah. plus, he had throat cancer a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah, and he he still sounds as good as he did, you know, like twenty years ago or something. Made in fan podcast is going to be so happy we're talking about this. <laughs> See, and I'm not a maiden fan. So no, you're there not. You go. <laughs> she absolutely. She kind of hates Iron Man. I don't appreciate the vocals. He does it well, but I just, I, it's too operatic for me. You're more of the yeah. That's what yep. the yeah. <laughs> Jump around and act like a fool, and I don't. Yeah, don't. Mm, no. <laughs> if I wanted to go to the opera, I'll go to the opera, and I don't, so I don't go. You hear that, Man and Fan podcast? She'll go to the <laughs> opera if she wants the opera. When she wants <laughs> metal, she goes to Metallica. So fuck you. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Although I did do theater for a while, so I can appreciate the theatrics of it, but I don't want to listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you do not want to listen to a 10-minute song about uh, an ancient warrior? <laughs> the battlefields of whatever. Nope. And sword fighting. <laughs> no, sword fighting. No, because musical theater songs are not ten minutes in length. So, like, <laughs> if they did it, you know, like a Miss Saigon type of a thing, you know, you could deal with that for a little bit. But <laughs> no, <laughs> I do like Iron Man, but it's impossible to ignore the uh, similarities they have to Spinal Tap and. Uh, it's impossible to ignore the uh, the nerdiness of uh, of it all. <laughs> there, there is nerdiness there, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I think my favorite bad Maiden moment is um, they have a song that came, it's from the 2000s, called Dance of Death. Okay. And it sounds like Stonehenge yeah. from Iron, uh, from Spinal Tap. <laughs> and... <laughs> And and he has a lyric goes and we danced and we pranced. <laughs> yes, he did. Oh he did. Lord! Yes, he says pranced. Oh, I like no. and I like that song, but he does say pranced <laughs> in the song. In the, in, and it's, you, it's like you're, you're singing along and you're like, the "Fuck, did I just sing?" Is this, is this <laughs> Even Dave Mustaine would not sing prance. <laughs> no, I don't think he would. Ooh, we dance and we pranced. <laughs> oh God, I can't stand him either. <laughs> I just needed wow. a way to work in my Mustaine impression. So, <laughs> oh, see, my wife can do one too. I can't quite do it, but I don't oh. think I can get as nasally. But yeah, no, I have to plug my notes to do it. But yeah, you know, I can do without that. For sure. Well. <laughs> I wrote all the lyrics to Metallica songs. Ow. He'll always have the mechanics. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. the mechanics. The, the lyrics to that song are a travesty. Well, if you want to hear 
a breakdown of those lyrics. It happened during Black Summer. If I could only remember the exact episode off the top of my head, that'd be helpful. But <laughs> we do break down the lyrics of the mechanics and all their atrociousness. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're real bad. <laughs> for some reason, I have no clue why, but for some reason, James Hatfield did not want to sing about a horny gas station attendant and all the... <laughs> gas station sexual innuendo that a 14-year-old boy could think of. I, I just do not understand his reasoning there. They managed to fit them all in there, though, didn't right? they? Right? Like, that's just weird. Yeah, uh, it, it totally didn't fit what they were doing. No. It sounded like... It, it sounds like if you... If, like, uh, Poison wrote lyrics to a Metallica song. <laughs> yeah! With, like, really bad, cheesy sexual innuendo. Yeah, 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 sure. or some of the later uh, Motley Crue stuff. Motley Crue. <laughs> By the way, I watched the dirt, and that movie is hilarious because it is. It is oh yeah. yeah, we watched it too for sure. That's it was quite the beginning. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Well, not Aussie part. Good God. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, uh, it was sort of. I mean, it was a perfect movie for that band because the movie was a kind of a train wreck. And that band yeah. was kind of a train wreck, you know? Yeah, was... they were a train wreck too. <laughs> They've gotten it together lately, but they were they were a mess. <laughs> yeah, to say the least. <laughs> but it was a great it was a great fun movie though. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, no, even if you don't like even if you don't give a crap about Motley Crue, it's still fun. It it was definitely I've definitely have spent two hours in worse ways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you mean like sitting on metal benches with a poncho over your head, waiting for Metallica because it's thunderstorming and you don't want to lose your seat? I wonder whose idea that was. <laughs> Could have been mine. That was that was Rock on the Range uh, in Columbus, Ohio, 2017. Yeah. I mean, because I didn't want. I'm not blaming him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I did it, and I managed to stay dry under my poncho, but it was like, um, we're literally sitting on metal in a lightning storm right now. <laughs> he was yeah, ready they, they to cut. ride the lightning, obviously. We sure were. We yeah. were doing it. They, they cut Volbeat short, I think, and then... Um, they came out for like two songs, I and then they moved to Metallica. they delayed Metallica a little bit because of the storm. And I would not leave because I didn't want to lose my seats. And then I saw an opportunity to get even better seats because the people that were afraid of the lightning, you went know, in the concourse. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, yeah, we're definitely moving closer to the stage for sure. I'm going to get wet. I'm going to get struck by lightning and I don't care because I want a better view of my boys. Hey, if there's <laughs> one way to go down, it's being struck by lightning in the front row of a Metallica show. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because the night before, Corn was the closer, and they actually cut them short and said, "Everybody go home. There's a storm." And then, not for Talica though, man. We were all there. The pit was still all there. They just kind of held garbage bags over themselves. And yep. Yeah. Well, Lars had his little shelter that he was <laughs> underneath. Yeah. <laughs> and now Rock of the Range is not even a thing. They right? They renamed it, oh, and it's Sonic Temple. Yeah, they call it Sonic Temple. Yeah. Shouldn't they have to? Is that a, uh, is that a, uh, uh, the cult is, isn't that like one of their things? 
uh, one of their so, songs. Or they should have to have them like every year. <laughs> they, still, you know, they, still have, they still have good uh, lineups out there. Yeah. Yeah. And they do a lot more with art and comedy and stuff now that it's not just rock on the range, that it's Sonic Temple, right. so they kind of feel right. like they I could expand was, it. Right, I think that was the intent, right? To kind yeah. of expand yeah. and yeah. bring in different yeah. people. And Columbus is beautiful, and people are nice for the most part. And Yeah. Yeah. So we like it there. Columbus well, is a cool city. Well, one day I will go there and be struck by lightning on metal benches as I listen to Metallica. <laughs> I have no doubt. <laughs> Anything else we should add to our Metallicast mixtape before we wrap up here? Frankie at Grand Rapids. Oh, yeah. I took... Uh, so, my wife's gone with me. Uh, one of my... Uh, my youngest daughter's gone with me to Pittsburgh. Um, that was just a regular show. I took my youngest son, who just turned seven today, um, to Grand Rapids, which was the last American date on the Hardwired tour. Um, plus, it was a smaller venue. It was like, I don't know. Uh, that venue's, I don't like even 10, know if 000? that venue's even like 15,000 people. It might be like 12, 13,000. So it was like the smallest venue I've ever seen him in. Um, so I figured that'd be a cool road trip from my son and I, uh, so I worked at midnight, uh, grabbed them up, threw them in the van and we headed out <clears throat> to Grand Rapids, um, went to the show there. Uh, everybody was super, super awesome and super nice to him. Uh, like first thing we got into the building and this guy who was absolutely hammered, uh gave him a, a pick from louisville right uh which i've never gotten a pick from metallica ever so you so. stole it <laughs> this is for dad no he's still <laughs> no, it's in his room right now um i'm a cheater and i bought mine but that's besides <laughs> the point um so he also was going to go get him a coke um but I tried it first because I knew there might be a problem. And it was a Jack and Coke. So I wasn't planning on drinking for the show. But then I ended up drinking because it's really inebriated to dude give my son a Jack and Coke. But he Six also, year old son. Six years old. Not even double digits. He also gave him a RIP 20, which I returned to the bank and got an actual 20 out of it. Um, so, uh, like I said, everybody was really cool. Uh, people just kept giving him uh, guitar picks. Um, like the, the guy that was operating the boom camera for yeah. the band, um, he was like high-fiving my son and like fist, give him fist bumps and the roadies kept trying to give him guitar picks. I'm like, he has like 10 of them guys. These are, right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you want so to give we some were... to dad, that's fine, but he's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can I like, uh, can you give me like. I want to hang out with James for like five minutes. Can we do that? You <laughs> um, would die. I and I wouldn't would be die. there to save you. Yeah, I, Frank, that would uh, not be good. I would have a heart attack. But, <laughs> um, so I see Jim Brewer because we're, we're in row A and we're right where everybody comes in and out to the stage. Um, so I see him getting checked by security, which I found funny because 
It's Jim Brown. Yeah. <laughs> right. like Saturday Night Live and everything. Yeah, he's he's been in movies. And, the, and he was just on the stage. <laughs> like emceeing the whole event. Um, and he's getting checked by security. So I kind of like laughed at him. And he like laughed back with me. Um, so as the night was going on, he was like, he was down with all the black ticket members hanging out. Yeah. Uh, you know, just headbanging, having a good time. Um, and he noticed my son. And he kind of like, he kind of gave me a signal, like, I'll be right there in a minute. And I was like, is Jim Brewer really coming over here? Like, what is going on? So Jim Brewer actually comes over. I'm like, holy shit. Jim Brewer is walking towards me. <laughs> I'm like, what is going on? And I noticed he's got, he had, he'd signed something, like two pieces of paper, and he's got them in his hand. I'm like, what does Jim Brewer have? So he walks right up to us. He said, hey, man, this is for your son. And I said, and I looked and I said, holy shit, those are set lists. <laughs> so set lists for us, uh, which I framed and I put all the guitar picks and and like old backstage passes and stuff like that, that people had given us. I put it in a frame for my son and he's got it in his room on top of his dresser. So, yeah, That's people awesome. were like awesome at the show. Yeah, they even gave him a yeah. slipknot pick. Yeah, you got yeah. a Slipknot pick from I'm like, somebody. that's not the right show, but that's okay. We like Slipknot. We saw them this summer. Yeah, and even though he had all this stuff, like people just kept trying to give him more and more. I was like, wow, yeah. you guys are awesome. That's so cool. I mean, if that doesn't yeah. make you a fan for life. <laughs> yeah. yeah, That's a really so, cool story. Shout out to Grand Rapids for sure. And shout out to Jim Brewer for being awesome. Yeah. Yeah. He seems like a super nice guy. Apparently... It's true. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, I can attest to that. Jim Brewer, man, that was a cool thing. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. I think that's a good feel-good story to end on myself. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, got some plugs to do. Uh, Metallicast, to quote Black Sabbath, is going through changes. That's the best Ozzy Osbourne I can do. That was atrocious, right? Oh, <laughs> um, not any better. It's okay. It's just... <laughs> uh, just very minor changes. I changed, uh, not to get too inside baseball, but I changed the feed over to a, a new service. So hopefully Metallicast will be on more platforms. It is now on Spotify. This whole time I've not been on Spotify and now Metallicast is on Spotify. So for those of you who use Spotify, please check out Metallicast on there. Um, but the cool thing about this service is called Anchor. It's a free app you can get on your phone or uh, you can go to anchor.fm. And you might be hearing an ad or two here or there because Brandon is trying to make a few bucks to upgrade his equipment and to promote this here show because uh, I still want world domination. I want world <laughs> podcast domination. Um, oh, so I know other podcasts out there do Patreon. Um, I'm not going that route yet, uh, but there is a listener support section through Anchor. Uh, there should be a link in the episode description if you want. Uh, no, pr no pressure, but if you want to donate a few million dollars to the show, um, that is 
completely <laughs> fine with me. Um, it will all go back into the show. Um, but again, I'm not expecting any donations. Just throwing it out there if you would be so kind. Um, the ad money's where it's at. Uh, I think Pepsi, Coca-Cola, Anheuser-Busch, um, they're all rolling in. Um, uh, basically, Metallicats will be a Super Bowl sponsor uh, by next year, I think. So things are moving in a good direction, hopefully. Um, I do not think the switch in feeds interrupted any of the past episodes, so you should be able to find them all there on Anchor and, of course, our home site, fansnotexperts.com. Please, if you're not subscribing, what the hell is wrong with you? Subscribe, download, leave a positive review through Apple Podcasts. Um, and uh, you can find me on the Twitter machine, on the Facebook machine, on the Instagram machine, at MetallicastPod. And of course, Ralph knows all about FlickChat. I mentioned it before. It's a free app. You can download it to your phone. It is uh, basically a forum where we talk about Metallica. We talk about Metallicast. Ralph, have you been enjoying FlickChat? I sure have. And if you want proof of that, just go back and listen to Black Summer. You can hear his very insightful comments about each of the Black Album tracks that I read and uh, shared with you, the Metallicast Militia. Ralph, Sarah, it's been a pleasure. Where can they find you on the interwebs? Well, I'm on Twitter, at rcevetto, and that's R-C-E-V-E-T-T-O. Um, I am also on Twitter, yes, and I am MamaC326. And Instagram is the same. And we're on Facebook as a shared account because I was tired of getting hit on by random people. <laughs> so I just figured I'll put my husband's name on there because I don't want to deal with the crap. I don't think I have to worry about that anymore. But, you know, when you're in your uh, 20s. <laughs> so if you want to follow some badass Metallica fans, please give them a follow. Of course, after you follow me, it's my show. <laughs> I get followed first, <laughs> they get followed second. You know how this works, people. Um, yep. <laughs> as always, I want to end with a cover song. Um, I got to be honest with you. I'm starting to forget. We're almost... This December will be two years in. I'm starting to forget what covers I've played and what covers I've not played. And uh, I think at this point, you know what? Who cares? Because if I don't remember, you probably don't remember. So we are going to end with a cover of the song One. If you're a Metallica fan, you might have heard of it. And it's uh, from, I found this on YouTube. They they call themselves the Harp Twins. It's two female oh. identical twins. And they both play a harp. It's uh, two girls, one harp. <laughs> I'm not making that up. Um, and so this is a harp interpretation played by identical blonde twins. Here is one. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, middle up your ass. Yeah.
have a squeaky chair like a uh, trink over there so oh you know what <laughs> you know that trink all right i might i i'm still recording this so i might tag this song ralph tell yes, the sir. world how much you hate tommy trink <laughs> i don't actually hate him his, his ralph that's not what you told me off mic that's not what ralph said <laughs> off mic tommy trink if you're listening i know that you are you can take your squeaky chair, right? Right? You can shove it up your ass because Ralph, he doesn't have a squeaky chair. So next time I want Tommy Trink on my show, I'm just going to get Ralph on instead. <laughs> Send him a can of WD-40. I, I think he's, he says he, he has fixed the chair. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? For a guy who knocks me about my production values... One, he better be the first listener support money I get. All right? <laughs> Two, don't have a squeaky chair when you're on the show and a barking dog. And then guess what? My production values aren't as shitty. We didn't even have kids come running in. Nope. That was amazing. None of our kids came out here to have a snack after they went to bed when they shouldn't have a snack or, or ask something or – you know, ask if they could do something tomorrow. It was amazing. You know who would um, interrupt for a snack if he was there? Tommy Trink. <laughs> <laughs> He's unbelievable. That's <laughs> <laughs> not experts.